Welcome to another episode of Theological Pipe. News, culture, sports, politics, and everything else from a theological perspective. It's all summed up in love. What should I do? Tell me God is good. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it peace. Give it peace. Put that in your theological pipe and smoke it. Hey, welcome to another episode of Theological Pipe. Uh, glad you're here. A little bummed. The Islanders just lost, so they're not going to the finals. Um, but uh, the Stanley Cup finals, that's okay, though. Um, going to get right into it. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, if you can hit the subscribe, like, comment button, I'd appreciate it. Uh, Google, Apple, Spotify, if you're listening, uh, subscribe there as well. I appreciate everyone listening. Um, going to kind of talk, you know, this is Theological Pipe, and, and, you know, I try to discuss all kinds of topics, you know, sports and politics and culture. Uh, and, and there's a lot of stuff going on and there'll be plenty of time to discuss politics. There'll be plenty of time to discuss, um, how politics has invaded sports and invaded culture. And, and that's kind of a shame. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, about God, uh, and about theology and about, uh, the thing that separates Christianity from every other major religion. Um, and, and just kind of dive into that. There's something I want to read from one of my favorite authors. Um, what differentiates Christianity from all other religions, all other major religions, um, and, and I've you know I've taken Eastern philosophy, Western religions, um, you know, study different type of religions stuff. All the other religions are man's attempt to reach to God. Um, you, you have to go through these steps or you have to w- walk through this certain path. Um, you have to do these certain things. There's rules that you can't break and there's things that you're supposed to do. And as you do those things, you get closer to God. You get closer to that exalted state. You get closer to nirvana. Again, pick, pick any religion. That's what it is. Religion um, is, is man's attempt to get to God. Christianity is the only major religion where it's flipped. That Christianity is God coming down to meet man because man can't get to God. That's the whole point of Christianity is is God reaching down to man through his son Jesus to say, there's rules and there's there's things that you're supposed to do, but you can't do them. Uh, you can't live up to the standards that God had set because God is perfection and God is holy and God is righteous and you can't do it. So I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to devise a way that you won't have to live up to the rules that I instituted. All you'll have to do is believe in my son. And, and I don't want to get into a, a theological lesson so much in, in what Jesus did on the cross, but the whole point is God reaches down to man instead of man reaching up to God. All of religion is man attempting to know God, to get to God, to see God, to be more like God, to get to that exalted place, to get to paradise, to get to Elysium, to get to whatever the exalted place where you just reached the end. And Christianity says, you can't do it, but I'm going to reach down to you and help you. And the way God does that, uh, there's a lot of things that you can talk about when it comes to Christianity, but if there's one word that differentiates it from the other religions, it's grace. Grace is when somebody gives you something that you don't deserve. They give you something that you don't, you didn't earn and that you couldn't earn. And that's what Christianity is. It's about grace. It's about God reaching down to us and offering us salvation, offering us peace, offering us forgiveness, offering us a a seat at the table, offering us a place in paradise, offering us a way to heaven. And it's through nothing that we've done, 
nothing we can do. Christianity is not a set of steps that if you do these things, you'll earn salvation. Christianity is Jesus Christ earning salvation for you, and you just believe in him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Trust in him. Recognize that you're a sinner and recognize that you can't do it. Trust that Jesus did it for you and his death on the cross paid the penalty for your sin. And because of that belief, because of your belief in Jesus, you're made righteous. It's a free gift from God and there's nothing you can do to earn it. And that's a problem for a lot of Christians because they feel like they have to do certain steps. I have to go to church. I have to pray. I have to read my Bible. I have to be nice to my mom and dad. I have to be nice to poor people. I have to be nice to homeless people. Those are things that you do because of what Jesus did, not because you want to get to what Jesus did. Your obedience to God, you doing the things that God wants you to do, you do because you got, not because you want. And I I think that makes sense. I hope it does. You don't, as a Christian, you're not supposed to be doing things in order to attain everything. You are doing things because you already got everything that you need in Jesus. That's what his death on the cross did for you. Um, And so grace is that magic word, that word that differentiates Christianity from other major religions. Um, It's mankind recognizing, hey, I can't do any, I, I can't do it right, but God gave me a path to be righteous and to be holy. And now I'm gonna go do things and it sets me free to not be in bondage, to not be enslaved by this mentality where I'm doing a checklist. I prayed today. I studied my, you know, I studied my Bible today. I went to church on Wednesday and Sunday. I missed the other Sunday, so I'm a little guilty. So I'll say two prayers the next day. Christianity and grace frees you from that. And and the thing that Christians and believers are supposed to do because of that, they're then in turn to show grace to the world, to other people, people that you agree with, people that you disagree with. The grace that God showed you, that's the grace that we're supposed to show the world. We're to love and to show grace and mercy and everything that we do, we're doing because we've already gotten everything we need from God through Jesus. And in that vein, I wanted to read a a passage from a book called What's So Amazing About Grace. Um, one of my favorite authors, his name's Philip Yancey. Um, the Jesus I Never Knew is probably one of my all-time favorite books on Christianity, but this is a close second. What's So Amazing About Grace? He's a good writer. He makes me think. Um, I, I like his writing style. Um, and so this is from, this is this is a part of, of that book, What's So Amazing About Grace? And I'm just going to read it, and then I'm going to kind of, uh, maybe I'll get the shine off my face when I did that with my iPad. Um, but I'll read it, and then um, you know maybe talk about it for a second. But this is what it says. It says, A prostitute came to me in wretched straits, homeless, sick, unable to buy food for her two-year-old daughter. Through sobs and tears, she told me she had been renting out her daughter, two years old, to men interested in kinky sex. She made more renting out her daughter for an hour than she could earn on her own in a night. She had to do it, she said, to support her own drug habit. I could hardly bear hearing her sordid story. For one thing, it made me legally liable. I'm required to report cases of child abuse. I had no idea what to say to this woman. At last, I asked if she ever had thought of going to the church for help. And I will never forget the look of pure, naive shock that crossed her face. Church, she cried. Why would I ever go there? I was already feeling terrible about myself. They'd just make me feel worse. And that I remember reading that the first time, you know, 20 years ago, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, wow, 
That's what the church has become. The church used to be a bastion. It used to be a place where people, when they were hurting, when they were in, in need, when they, when they were down and out, when they were at, their, at, at the bottom, they would run to the church and the church would be there to, to collect them and to love them and to minister to them. And here we get this incredibly horrific story and his response is he doesn't know what to say really and he says well have you ever thought of going to the church and she said why would I go there they would just make me feel worse than I already feel and and I just I remember thinking that like wow yeah that's the reason that, that that Christians are are hip are are looked upon as hypocrites, and we are Christians are hypocrites. Let's not deny that. But the reason that the world, if you asked any non-believer or just people in public who don't go to church, what do you think of Christians? Christians, hypocrites, judgmental, holier than thou, no fun, liars. You know, they they steal money. All they're interested in is, you know, being on TV and being famous and yada, yada. You can list all these things. And the reason they think that, it's our fault. It's believers' fault. When I say our, it's my fault. I'm a Christian. It's your fault if you're a Christian. We've allowed that to happen. We've allowed believers... To, to live that way and, and to act that way and not show grace and not show love and not show mercy. And here's what he said. Philip Yancey continues. He goes, what struck me about my friend's story is that the woman, much like this prostitute, fled toward Jesus, not away from him. The worse a person felt about herself, the more likely she saw Jesus as a refuge. Has the church lost that gift? Evidently, the down and out who flocked to Jesus when he lived on earth, no longer feel welcome among his followers. What has happened? And that's a question that he leaves. What's, what has happened? We've, we've lost the gift of showing God's grace, if you really want to get it to a fine point. You know, yes, there's scandals, and yes, um, you know, there's uh, you know, a world allied, you know, allied against Christians. I, I get all that, but it's really our fault. You know, the Bible says in, in, in certain areas, to live such a life that if someone comes and makes an accusation against you, even people who are your enemies won't believe it because they're going to know the way you lived and the way you treated people. And if we're not treating people, when I say we, I'm talking about Christians, if we're not pe- treating treating people with love and with mercy and with grace, the same type of love and grace and mercy that God showed us, that makes us hypocrites. That makes us not salt and light to the world. It makes people turned away from, they want to turn away from us. And, and what's so amazing about grace is that it's the thing that separates Christianity from all other major religions. And it's the thing that the world really doesn't have an answer for. It doesn't know how to react to grace. And I think as Christians, we can start to show grace a little bit more. And I'll never forget, we had a, a Bible study. Again, this is probably 15, 20 years ago, uh, or we, a book study. We were looking at this book, reading this book. And I remember reading over this. I was leading the study and I was read over this um, story and I stopped where it said, you know, I'm required to report to child abuse. I didn't know what to say to the woman. I didn't know what to do. And I said, okay, well, what would, what, what would your response be? What are we going to do? And, and so we kind of went around the circle and there was probably about, you know, five or seven of us and each person would give their answer. They'd say, well, you know, I'd call the cops. Oh my gosh, you know, the, a two-year-old uh, being, you know, prostituted out for sex with men, I would call the cops. And then the next person was like, well, I know what I would do. I'd not only call the cops, I'm going to track down those guys. I'm going to have that woman tell me those guys' names. And we're going to go get those guys because I can't believe this. And 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 every one of us, it was about justice and it was about you know revenge and it was about you know. And I'm not saying though in that case there's not a righteous anger that's there. Of course there is. But we get to the last guy, uh, an older guy, and he said, "Well, the first thing I would do is ask this woman if her and her daughter had a place to stay." 
and you, you could have heard a pin drop. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, in our quest, in our desire to, for, for re- revenge and justice, we forgot about this woman and this child. And it said here, church, why would I go there? They'd already make me feel bad about, uh, worse about myself than I already do. And, and I remember hearing that, I was like, that's it. That's, that's the answer. I'm not saying there's not retribution. I'm not saying you don't go to the authorities. Of course you do. You have to. And I'm not saying there's not a time for that. But at that moment, when that woman is pouring out her heart to you and pouring out her soul to you, if your first reaction is, well, let's call the cops and let's get this mom locked away. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be punishment. And let's make, you know, let's get this girl into, he was like, do you have a place to stay? Do you have something to eat? Because she didn't, she was, you know, she was hurting and she needed help and she needed grace and she needed love and she needed mercy. And that was, that just kind of opened my eyes to that. And I'm not saying I'm good at it all the time. I'm not saying I get it right all the time. You know, you, you watch the news, you see things that go on in politics, you see things that happen. And of course, your human nature kicks in and, and you want to fight back and you want to win the argument and you want to prove that you're more righteous than the others. And you want to prove that you're better than other people. But at the end of the day, it's about grace and it's about mercy and it's about love. And, um, and I'll, I always remember this story. I always remember this book and I always remember that word grace, that one word grace that, that really just disarms the world. It really changes people's hearts. When you show people grace, which is something that you give them when, when, when they don't deserve it and you're not expecting anything in return. You just, it's just a free gift. Uh, and, and I think that's something to think about. Espe- again, I always bring back, especially in these days and age, uh, this day and age, and especially with what we're going through with COVID and with the election and with, you know, uh, riots and with protests and with different people having different ideas about things. And it's a shame that we're allowing our beliefs to define us and not who we are to define us. I, I don't want to be uh, 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 an independent which I, I don't want to be an independent. I don't want to be a Democrat. I don't want to be a Republican. I don't want to be a conservative. I don't want to be a, a, a liberal. That, that shouldn't define me. What I want to be defined as, you know, ultimately, again, in, in a theological sense, I want to be defined as, as a Christian, right? Not an American Christian, not an evangelical Christian. I don't like putting words in front of other words because it modifies it. I want to be a Christian. But beyond that, when people look at me, here's what I want them to say. He was, he was caring. He was loving. He was always there to help people. He was loyal. He was friendly. He was funny. He, he had a good na- nature. When, when times were bad, he used to try to lighten things up. Like, I want them to talk about my characteristics. I don't want them to say, well, he was, you know, anti-Trump and he was anti-Obama. And I am both. But, you know, I, I don't want them to talk about my political beliefs. I don't want them to talk about, uh, you know, who I voted for, who I didn't vote for, what ideology I have. I want them to talk about the characteristics that we all share in common. If I said, you know, the does everyone want to, you know, is, is, is someone that is loving, is that a good thing? Who's going to say no to that? Republicans and Democrats and independents and progressives and conservatives, we can all agree that, hey, love is a good thing. What about kindness? What about happiness? What about being able to get along together? And you know what? You should be able to do that with people that don't think like you and don't have every belief that you do. And guess what? There's not one person listening or one person in the world that thinks exactly the same as somebody else. And if they do, that's just weird, right? You have friends and you have family members and you have people you come in contact with and that you work with that you have different beliefs then. And so what if you do? So what if somebody wants to raise taxes and somebody wants to lower taxes? If you're telling me that those two uh, opposing views can't sit down and have 
have a beer together or smoke a pipe or a cigar or go play golf or go hang out at a sporting event. If you're telling me that that political opinions don't allow us to hang out anymore together, then we've we've lost something in this country and we're we're losing it. That both sides are doing that. They're trying to divide people based on this. If you're pro this, then then that must mean that this person is anti that and we can't associate with those people. Now there are extremes way out on the other side, but they're few and far between. The extremes are extremes for a reason. There's so many people here in the middle, and what they're doing is they're trying to make that divide bigger and bigger to divide us, because when we're divided, it's easier to control us, it's easier to manipulate us, and that's the press, and that's politicians, and that's those people in power, because power corrupts and they want to stay in power. Don't let them do that. Be friends. If you can't be friend, if you're a conservative and you can't be friend with a Democrat, check your heart. If you're a Democrat and you think every Trump supporter is a racist, bigot, Nazi, then you need to check your heart because neither one of those scenarios is true. There's good people on both sides that have good hearts. Find that good in each other. And you know what? Show people grace when there's a difference of opinion. And there might be a reason for that difference of opinion. There might be someone that has a, a reason for that belief that is different than yours. And as you get to know them and you get to show them grace, you don't even have to, you, at the end, you don't have to agree with them, but at least you'll understand. And you'll say, okay, I see where you're coming from now. You're not some evil troglodyte, and you're not some communist, and you're not some Nazi. You just have a difference of opinion. Hey, let's go grab a burger, right? Let's go. I don't even know what people do anymore. We don't do anything. We sit at our house, but you know, let's go do something together. Let's hang out. And, and, and again, show people grace. Even if you're not a Christian, if you're a Christian, grace should be like at the top of your characteristic. You show people grace. Uh, and, and for a lot of us, it's not, and I'm, I'm including myself in there, and we need to work on that. Uh, and that could be you put that in your theological pipe and smoke it. Are you showing grace? Even in this day and age, even at this time, even as the election gets closer, are you showing grace? That should be the characteristics that people know you by is grace and love and peace and mercy because you're a believer. You're a child of God if you're a Christian. But even if you're not, show grace to people. You know, we, we can get through this together. And here's what's going to happen. And, I, and I, hope, I hope we work towards this. I hope we don't keep getting divided. You know, when the election's over, the sun's still going to rise the next day. And the majority of people are going to get up and they're going to go to work. Hopefully, they still have a job. You know, hopefully COVID's getting under control. You know, they're going to get up. They're going to go to work. They're going to hang out with their friends, their family, and, and they're going to get about their business. Every election is not the most important election in the world, right? And if you're a believer, you understand that God has it in control anyway, so you don't really need to get that bent out of shape. Um, but I, I don't want to get too deep into this. Philip Yancey, What's So Amazing About Grace? If you haven't read the book, man, look it up. It's great. Uh, again, if you're a believer, grace Show grace to people. Um, you know, even as you even as you argue or complain or debate about things, remember grace. Show grace because in the end, at some point, people are going to want to uh, need some place to run and some place to turn to. And they, as Christians, we want them to come to us because we have the answer. And if we're hypocrites, if we're angry, if we're fighting all the time, if we're posting only political stuff on Facebook or Twitter, and we're only concerned about you know being right and winning the argument, then why would they come to us in the first? place? place. We know what we have. We need to show that we have them. So, um, you know, put that in your theological pipe and smoke it. Show some grace. Um, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one. (laughs) 